Support for this podcast is provided by That Cast Creative. Brand your business and connect with your audience by creating a custom podcast. Learn more at thatcast.com. Want to advertise on this podcast or one like it and reach a targeted and engaged audience? Go to thatcast.com to start reaching our audience. ThatCast Network presents The Beaver Buzz, a look inside Oregon State Athletics with your host, Bob Lundeberg. Welcome, everybody, to the Beaver Buzz podcast, part of the ThatCast Podcast Network. This is your host, Bob Lundeberg, coming to you from Goss Stadium here in Corvallis. Following uh, last week's Civil War Series victory, the Oregon State baseball team has a gigantic matchup with Stanford on the farm this weekend. Stanford, UCLA, and Oregon State are all tied atop the Pac-12 standings. It's going to be a pretty fun end to the regular season with two weeks remaining. And uh, to break all that down, plus this series and, and some other baseball-related stuff, uh, Ken Go from the Oregonian is going to join me on the show. Ken has been writing daily pieces on college baseball all season, and he also covered the Beavers during their College World Series run last year. I always really enjoy getting Ken's perspective on things because he really just possesses you know decades of knowledge, and he just he tends to notice things, maybe subtle things that just might slip by me. So uh, I think you guys will definitely enjoy that conversation. As always, I want to thank everyone for listening to the Beaver Buzz podcast. You can find my show and a bunch of others on thatcast.com. Uh, you can also listen on iTunes and Spotify. I usually am iTunes, Apple guy. Um, if, you, uh, if you like the show, please, uh, please subscribe, rate, and review. It really does help us out. Uh, we're going to just uh, take a quick break here, and I'll, uh, I'll be right back with Ken Go. Anna Canzano hosts That Expert Show. The show you help run. Hear the top experts on a variety of topics. Interviewed by a top journalist. Find That Expert Show and other shows on the ThatCast Network. Visit ThatCast.com. From Guild Coliseum to Research Stadium, it's the Beaver Buzz with Bob Lundeberg. All right, well, we're back here with the, uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Ken Go from the Oregonian Oregon Live. Um, I guess I'm actually a bit surprised uh, that you're here with me at Goss Stadium. You're going to get roped into any of this Blazers coverage uh, late, late, later on in the next couple weeks? Well, you know, Bob, somebody has to do the rest of the stuff. So <laughs> the, the other people can do the glory things, and then uh, Ken comes around and sweeps up. So, <laughs> Does, Does Portland have a chance in this series, seriously? Because, you know, looking at it with the way they're playing and Durant, I mean, they're saying it's, what, a, a calf strain, but – I kind of find that hard to believe. It really looked like something that was going on with the Achilles. And, you know, I mean, I realize the Blazers have some injury issues of their own, but they're, they're playing so well and they have all this momentum. I mean, you think there's any chance this could, I don't know, what, be 3-2 with a game six coming back to Portland? I mean, the, the Blazers can, can compete in this series, right? I think so. I think um, this Blazer team really plays uh, basketball the way I think basketball should be played. It's not all isolation and one-on-one, yeah. but they, they pass the ball, they cut, they screen for each other. Um, they're a very unselfish team, and I think when a team plays that way and, and has shooters of the caliber that uh, shooters that that the Blazers have, and and a team that works, I don't know if they're a great defensive team, but they sure work hard on yeah. defense. They're they're fun to watch. I, th- I think when a team plays that way and the talent is roughly equal, then they have a shot. You know, that said, Golden State plays that way well that way too, and Golden State's been there before, so. I don't know if it's 50-50, but I think the Blazers have a chance. Yeah, I mean, when I was a kid growing up, I kind of 
there, there was sort of the Jailblazer era a little bit before that too. You know, they were they had some pretty fun teams there in the late '90s. I, I was really, really, really little for the early '90s teams, but does it feel like the state as a whole are they kind of em- embracing this particular team in a way maybe similar to those early '90s teams? It just seems like there's so much fandom going on right now. Yeah, I think so, and I think people do react to. Uh, a team that's unselfish and yeah. and you know you have a star like Damon Lillard who who wants to make the whole organization part of the win and it's not uh, like some NBA teams where the guy's always thumping his chest and talking <laughs> about wh- how great he is but uh, he seems to sincerely want his teammate to do well and he seems to be sincerely happy to share the credit and when when you're that way I think you're uh, more dangerous than you would be otherwise and and you're also uh, people. Uh, relate to that and it resonates with the community so yeah I think it's it's popular the way they play and and this is uh speaks to my age compared to <laughs> yours I think they're a lot like the Blazer teams in the late 70s with with Walton and Lucas and Bobby Gross and those guys because those teams were unselfish too and it had a star in Bill Walton who uh wasn't afraid to have other people get the credit and didn't need the ball all the time and was was a good passer. So I, I think it's in a lot of in that way anyway. They're they're very similar to those teams. No, that's a great point. I've only watched highlights of the 1977 group, obviously, but Bill Walton just a tremendous player. I think he would thrive if he was you know playing today, right? I mean, with the way that today's NBA is, with the openness and a lot of the the way offenses are run, don't you think Walton would be just an incredible player today? Yeah, you know, and, and Jokic plays a little bit yeah. like that, the way he passes off the high post and, and moves without the ball and, and is unselfish. So, I mean, that that's last series. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and the, the Blazers have won that one, and they're moving on. I think it's going to be a fun series to watch. No, I really do too. Um, I guess let's let's train. You know, it's probably no Blazers stock. Let's just transition to some Oregon State baseball then. And we don't want to overlap too much, kind of, with the video show that that we just recorded with Tyler Malone. If you guys were watching uh, that live, thanks so much for uh, checking it and out. And you can still watch it. And you, exactly. And if you didn't, um, you can, yeah, like Ken said, you can certainly watch it. It's on going to be on what the Oregon Live Facebook page should be on there right now probably right um heading into this midweek game with portland then uh beavers looking at 33 and 15 overall record tied with ucla and stanford for first place in the pac-12 you know with this program i mean expectations are always high and it's understandable but you know i really feel like uh this has been just a pretty extraordinary season for the beavers just you know considering all the new players throughout the lineup no Pat Casey, and, you know, there's been a lot of injuries recently, too. I mean, you've been following on basically just the entire season. I guess what do you think kind of of what this group has been able to accomplish so far? I think fans ought to be ecstatic with what the team has done. If you look at what's happened to them and the the fact that um, six players that were uh, standout players on last year's Mm -hmm. team are uh, in American professional baseball and their best pitcher from last year is playing in the Mexican leagues, um, that's a lot of talent to lose. Um, and they're tied for first place. We're, we're two weeks left in the regular season, and they're tied for first place. I, I think it's extraordinary. And, you know, their, their pitching staff's been hit with injuries. The, the pitchers that were coming back were supposed to be, you know, Kevin Abel was supposed to be their best pitcher, and he hardly <laughs> pitched this season. Yeah. Uh, Mitchell Verberg, uh, important setup guy, out uh, maybe for the rest of the season. Um, and and they've still picked it up. They've, you know, they've, they're competitive. Um, they're, what, Nineteen and four, uh, nineteen and five. Nineteen and five. Um, that's a pretty good regular season. I'm, Not too bad. I, again, I'm much older than you. I can remember uh, <laughs> back in the old days, uh, they would have killed to have a team like this that could play toe to toe with Stanford and UCLA and and contend for conference titles. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned 
Pac-12 record, 19-5. and I think people forget that last year it wasn't like they blew everybody out through 12 Pac-12 games last year. Oregon State was 7-5 and in conference play. I mean, it's just – I, it's not that fans I get it's not that fans aren't happy with the product on the field that's obviously not true but just I think that some people maybe if they're worried about dropping a game here or there or, or oh what's going on why is the offense not hitting what's with the pitching there's they, they they're, I think they're losing sight of the fact that in baseball you don't win every day and just with the amount of talent that they lost it's just what, what what this team has been able to do I just I continue to be incredibly impressed and I think there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic about these last two weeks yeah I mean you got the <clears throat> the best catcher maybe the best player in college baseball yeah. uh, anchoring your lineup and your defense uh, the team's played very good defense overall and the, the pitching even with the players they've lost has been solid and you know when you play good defense and you pitch well you're in games then it comes down to you know are you going to be able to hit the ball get the key hit um you don't you don't have to beat people 13 to 1 you just have to beat them one to nothing yeah, I mean, I continue to be impressed uh, with the job the interim head coach Pat Bailey has done with the lineup because they're they're shuffling it, you know, basically on a game to game basis, putting in so many different guys, and really at times this year we've seen. Alex McGarry, Jake Harvey, Jake Ducard, uh, Bo Phillips been in there the entire way, but missed some time due to injury. Uh, Preston Jones, Tyler Malone's heating up now. I mean, there's just been guy after guy. It's almost never every game. It just seems like four or five different names are in the lineup. With Pat Bailey being able to kind of do this and manage this way, just with the with the you know the way things have gone and playing the matchup card, and guys have been in slumps. I, I think that I think the offense has actually been better than a lot of people realize it's it's adequate to good and when you can pitch at an elite level and defend at an elite level all you really need to do is hit okay and I think the Beavers have done that for the most part yeah and I don't, but probably people probably realize this uh in the abstract but in the moment maybe not so much it's really hard to follow a coaching legend you look throughout any sport um at any level if the guy you were following is really successful that's where the bar set and all you can do is is clear that bar and 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 that's difficult it's you know if if um uh i don't know how many coaches followed john wooden at ucla and and some of them were very good coaches mm-hmm. and were successful at ucla and people still didn't think they measured up to john wood to john wooden ben Howell and went to three straight final fours exactly. and he got shown he the door yeah. yeah yeah and um uh so uh and it's not just that they're not doing what Wooden did. They're doing what people remember Wooden did, which is sometimes really different. It, as you mentioned, uh, last year uh, in the middle of the season, the Beavers were scuffling with Pat Casey as the coach. <laughs> well, I mean, Pat Casey struggled once in a while too, and that's no knock on him. He's maybe the best coach in college baseball, you know, certainly of his era and yeah. maybe ever. Um, so to, to to and he didn't win every game. Yeah. It's 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 as you say, baseball's a tough game. There's there's a lot going on. There's nine players in the field. There's a pitcher and a batter and, and an umpire that, that may or may not be consistent. And there, there's a lot of things that can happen that, that keep you from winning or losing a game or keep you from winning a game and, and cause you to lose a game. And so, uh, yeah, I think uh, back to where we started before I got on this rambling. <laughs> uh, uh, I think uh, uh, Pat Bailey has done a really good job. No, I, I really do too. And it's just it's been, it's been such an unusual season because – Part of me is almost like I get so many questions now the last two, three weeks, or maybe it's been longer than that, 
So what what is it like with the team? What are they talking about? Is it are people asking about Pat Casey? How are the people responding to Pat Bailey? And just what I might be one of those situations where I'm too close to it all to really see the whole thing, but it just I don't really feel like there's any of that going on. It just the team is kind of focused on trying to win the Pac-12 title. They're they're playing for this coaching staff. Pat Casey is not around at all. I mean, it's very intentional on his part. It when when he is around, he hides, even though his youngest son is on the team and at times has hit the ball really well. So it has been a very bizarre situation. I, I'm not saying it, it isn't, but I almost think from the outside world, they they just there's these expectations of they think oh because of the co- the unsettled coaching situation and this looming June 1st deadline, which may or may not be a deadline. No one really knows. And will Pat Casey return? Will he stay retired? Will he coach somewhere else? No one knows any of these questions. And I think people think that it's having an impact on this current team. And to me, it just, it really feels like it it isn't having much of an impact. And it sounds so strange and it almost seems impossible, but that's kind of the feeling I get. I guess for you, does, does it really seem like this whole season is being played under the cloud of Pat Casey or are they just kind of going out there and playing baseball and not worrying about that right now? Yeah, I don't see a big cloud. And I think maybe part of that's due to the fact that it's not a new coaching staff. Exactly. Pat Casey's not here, but all these other guys were here and were successful. And Pat Bailey uh, has not only been here for a long time, but he was uh, has been a successful head coach himself before. So um, I don't think it's it's been a big difference, it's, as best I can tell. But you're right. I think there is some uh, there are some questions in the fan base and in the public at large about what's going to happen. And I think those questions are natural. I mean, like I, we said earlier, Pat Casey's as good as there is, and um, there. The situation is strange. You know, he yeah. he's there. Uh, he, he's still in the athletic department. He's still around, as you say. His son's still playing on the team. He's not said he's not coming back. So, so what's going on? Yeah, I mean, I totally understand the way that Pat is Pat Casey has chosen to handle this because he's just he does not want to be a distraction at all. And it's funny with you know him taking having such a low profile and not being visible in basically any way at all while his son is on the team and well, like you say, he's still in the athletic department. He's on staff. He, he's part of the administration. The way he's gone about it, not that I'm criticizing at all, it's almost made this seem like a bigger deal than it is, I think. It's a really weird thing. I, there's probably no way Pat Casey could have handled this at all to make it, to, to minimize it. I think it was going to be a big deal either way. But do you kind of know what I'm saying? It seems like with, yeah. with him having such a low profile, it's almost maybe made this yeah. a bigger thing than it would have been anyway. No, and I totally agree with that. I think um, early in the season, I don't think it probably was a big deal because no. June 1st was a long ways off. Now June 1st is not very far away, and so people are saying, well, what, what's he going to do? What's going to happen? Um, and I think that's natural. And um, if, I, if they ask my advice, which they won't, <laughs> I would suggest that um, they say something. They'd say, uh, you know, uh, Pat's going to take a couple more weeks, maybe another month to think this over before he comes to a decision, or Pat's decided to come back, or Pat's not decided to come back. And it, they take any one of those three things and – and say them, um, I think all this goes away. That's probably a fair point. I guess I don't know with athletic director Scott Barnes, I don't know if he just is really concerned about following guidelines and making sure they're doing their due diligence on it, with what a coaching search would be. I guess I don't, I mean, once again, I don't really know what Scott Barnes is supposed to do. It's just such a unique interesting situation. This probably has happened at other places with other legendary coaches, but I'm not really familiar with one quite as interesting as this, so I guess you know June 1st is what? It's about two less than two, or uh, a little bit more yeah. than two weeks yeah. away. I mean, it's 
it's crazy. They're gonna something's gonna. Ha I mean, I, maybe they won't say anything on June. Maybe the June first announcement will be that they're giving it till July first. That would make more sense to me. I don't know. Yeah, and um, I think uh, Barnes has already come out and said they'll make a national search if they decide yeah. to fill the position. So um, I don't think you know there's any uncertainty about what they'll do then. And yeah, I, I'm true. sure if uh, Pat Bailey wants to be considered, he would be at the top of the list. But they, you know, they have uh, uh, guidelines that they have to follow and. Um, they have got this Rooney Rule thing too. They mm -hmm. would probably have to look for a qualified minority assistant. They'd have to do their due diligence to make sure that they cast a wide net. But I'm sure Pat Bailey would be considered, you know, first among equals of, of the people they interviewed. No, he, he it, it, assuming he wants the job. Yeah, I mean, he definitely would have to be. And I guess because I don't really have anything more to add on that, to be perfectly honest. So I guess let's just jump quickly then to back to stuff actually on the field with the baseball team. I think, as most of you know, if you watch the web show uh, or following along at all, Oregon State got a huge series at Stanford this weekend uh, while UCLA is playing Washington. Uh, Ken, you've actually had the chance to see Stanford in person this year. I have, and I got to see him three times last year. Very talented team, a lot of the same guys. Was there anything uh, when you watched him at PK Park? Was there anything, you know, offense, defense, pitching that really jumped off the page to you? They certainly put up a lot of runs in the one time you did see him. Yeah, they really hit the ball at least against Oregon's pitching staff. Now, a lot of people have hit the ball <laughs> against Oregon's pitching staff, but they hit the ball for distance. They've got a lot yeah. of power on that team, and um, they play very good defense. And as you say, their their pitching's been good. I don't know if great is the right word, but definitely good. You know, yeah. they're they're nationally ranked and, and at the top of the conference for a reason. Yeah, I mean, in, t in terms of, like, NCAA tournament resume, you know, looking at the RPI, because uh, Pac-12 records are all identical right now. Beavers are 17th entering the week. Cardinal are up to 14th. I, I see both teams with great hosting resumes to get one of those 16 uh, host bids. But, you know, really, if you just kind of look at what a lot of the other teams are doing throughout the country, I don't think there's going to be – it's going to be really tough for the Pac-12 to get two of those national seeds, those top eight national seeds. UCLA seems to be just in great position, almost really regardless of what the Bruins do down the stretch. Their body of work is just incredibly impressive. But for Stanford or Oregon State to make that leap up to the top eight, I just I think it's going to take an outright Pac-12 title. Now, if one of those two teams is able to accomplish it, I actually I probably would be a little surprised if they didn't get maybe yeah. the number seven or number eight national seed. But, but really, I, because UCLA owns the tiebreaker with both teams, I think Oregon State or Stanford, to win the Pac-12, is probably going to have to sweep this series. And quite frankly, with how even the teams are, I'm not sure either of them – I'm not sure how likely a sweep is. So it's just – it's kind of an interesting situation entering the series, isn't it? Yeah, and I think um, a lot of people are going to be interested in what's going on with Oregon State's pitching staff. They, they did a great job uh, at, at Oregon last week without two frontline starters, Grant Gambrell and Brandon Eisert. Yeah. Um, we still really don't know how, what the status of those guys is. Um, uh, arm tenderness, that uh, covers a lot of ground there. I was going to say, that's a pretty ambiguous uh, injury term, I would yeah. say. Yeah, you know, you can be so tender that, you know, they're headed for surgery or it could be just, you know, a little tired and needed some rest. I think they need those guys this week. I mean, you know, great job by the Beavers last week against Oregon, but I don't think you can count on that um, all the time, and especially not maybe against Stanford this week. I, I think they need their guys, and their guys need to pitch well. No, I do too. I think 
pretty much for Oregon State to win the series. Uh, Brandon Iser, Grant Gambrell, Bryce Femmel. I really think you're going to need three strong outings, probably from all three of those guys. And then if you can get that, and if that happens, it allows you to, to put some of those other arms back in the bullpen where they've been more effective. So I think that's probably going to be the, the best way for Oregon State to win the series. Yeah, it's definitely something to watch. You know, uh, uh, as we said earlier, pitching and defense have, have really been the calling cards for this team this year. And if they're going to beat Stanford, they're going to need to be they're going to need to do both well. Yes, yeah, certainly. Um, on that note, then we're going to take a quick break, and uh, Ken and I will talk uh, talk a little probably 2018 College World Series in the final segment. Price Financial Group Wealth Management. Navigating through today's financial investment world can seem pretty scary. Now, here's the good news. Chuck Price, president of Price Financial Group Wealth Management, introduces a new revolutionary concept that will change how you invest now and in the future. It's called Asset Lock. Asset Lock monitors your investment accounts 24-7, 365, and alerts you when action needs to be taken. And now, Chuck Price offers Asset Lock. At Price Financial Group Wealth Management, we believe all our clients deserve to have Asset Lock monitoring their accounts. So call Chuck today or online at pfgwm.com and learn how you can get Asset Lock on your accounts today for free. Price Financial Group Wealth Management, because the smart investor knows what you don't know can hurt you. Call 503-253-3000. That's 503-253-3000. From Guild Coliseum to Research Stadium, it's the Beaver Buzz with Bob Lundeberg. Well, Ken, I began covering, I think as you know, the Oregon State baseball team in 2016, uh, which was actually kind of a cool, interesting year because they missed the NCAA tournament for the first time in a while. Uh, and then that kind of sent them on to go on a couple pretty epic runs there, obviously. So we, I think we probably have talked about this before, but how much did you follow kind of what Oregon State did in 2017, you know, that historic season they had, and then also kind of what they did in 2018, just last year, uh, before you got basically just sent off to go cover the team at the College World Series for the Oregonian? You know, very distant. Okay. I mean, I was sort of aware when they won and lost, and I was definitely aware of all the Luke Heimlich stuff because the Oregonian was in the middle of that. Yeah. Um, but as far as the rest of the team and, and knowing the personalities or even knowing what guys look like, I, <laughs> I, I really didn't. You know, I, I've been a track guy at, at, or at the Oregonian since 2005, yeah. and that's how I spent my springs. Um, so, yeah, I was when they told me I was going to Omaha, I took a big gulp. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, again, we, we encourage 100% honesty here on the Beaver Buzz podcast because at first you weren't exactly uh, stoked to be in Omaha covering the College World Series, were you? No, it was going on at the same time as the U.S. Track Championships, which had track had been my beat. So um, there, there were a lot of storylines that I'd been watching throughout the track season yeah. that I, were going to play out there. And so I really felt like, one, that was uh, where I had my expertise, and, mm -hmm. and two uh, – uh, there were a lot of things that were happening, it w and it was in the Midwest as well, in Des Moines, uh, that mattered to uh, people that follow track in yeah. Oregon. And uh, Oregon is a hotbed for for uh, college and uh, post-collegiate track, and, and a lot of those people were at the U.S. Cha track championship. So I, I made a strong case that that's where I should be, and um, the sports editor listened and said, you're going to Omaha. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, it's totally understandable too. I mean, I'm just thinking about like myself personally. Let's say in 2017, if I would have covered that entire you know run with Oregon State going, they were 56 and four overall at one point in time. If I would have been told, yeah, hey, you're you can't cover that. You actually need to go to uh, Oklahoma City to cover the Oregon Ducks softball team. I probably wouldn't have been very thrilled about it either. So it's totally understandable. That said, it uh, once I got there, I had a great time. Uh, not only did the story sort of take on a life of its own, not only with Oregon State going on to win the, the national championship, but the way that the Beavers went about doing it uh, was great drama. And I found the, the players on the team very easy to work with. Um, and people were really helpful and, and uh, forgave the mistakes I made from, from ignorance and, and sort of helped me uh, uh, get on the right track. And uh, it's actually turned out to be one of the most fun things I've done in 43 years as a sports writer. So when exactly kind of did it turn for for you? Because yeah, I'll never I'll never forget. Well, a lot of things about the College World Series I'll never forget. But yeah, we're we're there on that Friday, that Oregon State second year in a row. They had that first practice, so it's early Friday morning. It was hot. It was hot, as it you know often is in Omaha in the middle of June. <laughs> and you know the beers are out there going through the routine at TDA Ameritrade Park, and there's hardly any Oregon media there at that point. It's just me. Uh, Haley Lewis, who worked for KZI then, and then, yeah, you see Ken, I had no idea who the Oregonian would be sending. Uh, see Ken Goad showed up, and yeah, you you know, weren't, at that point, you would have rather been in Des Moines, which is understandable. So at what point in time did it kind of turn for you? Because yeah, as as we've talked about, and I got the sense at the end, you, you started to definitely enjoy this thing uh, by, by, by the end of the College World Series. Yeah, I think it helped when I started learning which player was which. I mean, that, <laughs> once I got the faces and the personalities down, it uh, suddenly became more interesting because it was they were real likable guys and they they were playing at a really high level. And it didn't take long, really. You uh-huh. know, a couple games and like, wow, this is pretty fun. We were pretty exhausted by the end of it, though, right? I mean, I, I think it was 15, 16 days, 16 nights we were in Omaha. I mean, it's a great trip, amazing trip. Anyone who's a baseball fan should probably check out the College World Series some, one day, but We'd be lying if we said we weren't a little tired by the end of it, right? No, I was ready to come home, but I was also uh, – that championship game was a really fun game to cover. So um, I've, I've covered the Olympics a few times, and it, it was it's very similar to that. You know, it's, it's a grind, and at times you're going, God, I don't know if I can do this another day. But by the time you get down to near the end, you know, you're, you're sort of in a rhythm, and it's mm-hmm. – uh, what you're watching is so compelling that, it, you know, it, it's fun, and you – um, yeah, you're tired, and yeah, you want to get home, but but you also want to ride this story out because it's a good story. It was a really good story. I mean, losing the very first game of the tournament, I mean, to North Carolina, Oregon State played probably one of its three worst games of the entire year. Uh, Luke Heimlich didn't pitch well. They didn't defend well. They left a ton of runners on base, and they still almost won that game, which was crazy, and then come back to the loser's bracket and ultimately pull it out against Arkansas. Is there, I guess, is there one specific game or moment or play that you always remember or gravitate toward? I mean, there's, there's really, I mean, almost a dozen for me. I yeah. Mean, but but there, there really were a lot of just huge moments during that run, I think. Yeah, I don't know if it's uh, necessarily one play. It's just more... Uh, a sense that at some point I got that this is just one of those magical teams that, um, and, and you see it every now and then. I've been around a few teams like this that um, when things get really tough, when there's a challenge, they rise to the occasion and they, they even it, it exceed what they have to do to win. Um, uh, I, it, you know, and, and forgive me, I know this is a Beaver uh, broadcast, but um, a couple of those. Oregon teams that that went 
uh, football teams that went on and made the postseason mm-hmm. runs were like that. It would, if the situation got uh, really dire and they had to make a play, somebody made a play. Yeah. And it, it wasn't always the same person. You know, different people stepped up. Uh, uh, got uh, Larnick and, and Rutschman and Malone, you know, and Grenier and, and Madrigal. I don't know, Madrigal didn't have necessarily a great Finals. Series. He had a pretty good overall, I think, yeah. but he didn't have a good finals. I don't think he had a hit, if I remember but correctly. It, but different people took turns doing it. And then yeah. the way Abel pitched, you know, I, I didn't even know who Kevin Abel was when I <laughs> went there. And how he turns out to uh, – he was just lights out in the, you know, in Omaha. So yeah. um, it, it was, like I say, it was just a really fun team to watch and a, a team that uh, I think uh, took what it did seriously but didn't necessarily take themselves seriously. And those kind of people are fun to be around too. Yeah, I mean, I guess we a perfect example of that was the – last practice of their entire group ever had right on that Sunday before the the final started and it was kind of hot again they were what they were throwing water balloons at each other and messing with us messing with us in the media I think Grenier was grabbing water and pouring it on me as I'm trying to ask questions and they're just messing around like you said they take they took their craft very seriously but they're also I mean they're college kids they're enjoying the moment and they're having fun and they really enjoy being around each other it's something that I certainly got the sense of overcovering them it sounds like with you parachuting in, you, you got that that you got that you impression playing those as well. cra- that crazy game, whatever mafia. it was, murder or whatever it was. Yeah, in mafia the, in the clubhouse during those long rain delays. We had to do something during those rain delays, right? <laughs> well, that, that sounded like a lot more fun than we were having in the press box. Well, you could have come with me. I was walking around the stadium. I spent how many hours did I invest to try to get that perfect lightning shot? You know, I'd spent a lot. I, I wasted a lot of my time really trying to do that. One of those. It was your time to waste. (laughs) And there was a lot of it to waste. There certainly was. I mean, I've covered, so I've covered two college world series now. And uh, you said it's one of your, uh, you've been around, you've seen a lot of things. You said you've enjoyed it. It was one of your favorite events. It's certainly for me, I haven't attended nearly the amount of sporting events you have, but I would put it right up there with some of the coolest things I've ever seen, whether it be things I've gone to as a fan or, or working as a member of the media. It's just, I mean, for one thing, it's a really well-run event, kind of like you mentioned, just the people in charge and the way it's all structured. Uh, it's just, it, it's it's a really, really well-oiled machine. And then also the 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 way that kind of the community of Omaha embraces it. I just whether you go to a restaurant and it's like a, a you know waiter, or a waitress, or you're getting an Uber and it's the Uber driver asking you about you know the teams they're playing, or really, I mean, just off the hotel. You check into a hotel and the guys behind the desk are asking you know which team are you here for. It seems like the entire community really embrace of Omaha really embraces the event and you know Omaha it's a, it's a kind of the perfect size city for it because I think if the College World Series were in a bigger market there's you know potential for more eyeballs I guess but I think it would be lost in the shuffle in a lot of cities in, in Omaha the College World Series is you know probably the biggest thing that happens in that town the entire year and everyone gets behind it and for me I, I think it's really actually kind of cool to see a city embrace an event like that yeah and a lot of people don't realize what a cool town Omaha is too we, yeah. we sort of talked about uh, the heat and how we were ready to get out and stuff, but uh, the downtown Omaha is really nice, is. walkable town and a lot of good restaurants. And I think it's sort of a uh, undiscovered jewel. I mean, the climate is extreme. In the, the winter, I think it are pretty nasty, and the summers are hot and humid. But the town itself is is really pretty cool. And as you say, uh, a lot of civic pride in that event. Agreed. And they they do. Uh, you know, it's their moment in the sun, and and they take advantage of it. Yeah, and in the weather, I mean, if we were harping on the weather too much earlier, in no way did it like ruin the experience for us. It we would be uh, yeah the we, press. 
the press box is air conditioned. The press box is air conditioned for one. <laughs> we would also be lying to you if we said it was miserable the entire time. It certainly wasn't. Now there are days, you know, when it's 98 degrees and, and that humid. It's not always super fun to be outside. But the weather is the weather is just one small minor piece of the uh, of this the entire package. The yeah, the downtown area is great. I I found the people in Omaha to always be really really friendly. And yeah, there's just. Yeah, I think you summed it up perfectly. There's so much civic pride in the event. It's it really is cool to see. I hope I hope that it stays there. I know the contract with TD Ameritrade Park runs for a long time. I think it would be a shame if they ever decide to like move that event around because I mean, let's be honest, college baseball is a relatively niche sport overall. There's very passionate groups of fans, but it doesn't have giant wide-ranging appeal. But for, you know, for Omaha, the College World Series, they treat it like it's a Super Bowl and it's really cool to see. You know, I think you hit on it. You know, a perfect size community. Mm-hmm. Uh, people take a lot of pride in it. And it's, you know, one thing I think it has going for it is it's right in the center of the country. So it's, it's a great point. It's not a real hard place for anybody to get to. You know, uh, fans can get there. The teams can get there uh, without a lot of problems. Uh, the, you know, they're trying to do a similar thing with Eugene uh, for NCAA track. Um, back, to, back to my main sport. <laughs> um, but one of the concerns with that is uh, Eugene's in a corner of the country. And if, yeah. if you're from Florida... It's a, a long travel day to, to get to Eugene, and it, um, that makes a difference for your athletes when you compete in the meet. Um, Omaha doesn't have any of those problems. A decent-sized airport, uh, people, and, and if you can't get into the Omaha airport, there's a lot of airports around. Kansas City is very drivable. Lincoln, Lincoln is very drivable. I mean, even Saint, uh, Minneapolis, it's a little far, but I mean, you could fly and conceivably drive, so that's yeah. a good point, too. So, um, yeah, uh, uh, I think by now uh, – uh, the College World Series is identified with Omaha. I can't Agreed. imagine they would leave. I, I think they've they've hit on the perfect formula. Uh, uh, Omaha for for baseball, Oklahoma City for mm-hmm. softball, and like I say, uh, uh, the track people, the ones out here, are trying to get that for Eugene. Now, whether they'll be able to do that remains to be seen. Yeah. Well, this year's Oregon State team, as we mentioned earlier, obviously does not have the same firepower as last year's group. Very understandable with all the draft picks. Anyone that expected the same thing, they, they were nuts. So I guess, Ken, what do you think? Can this team do it? Can they actually get back to Omaha? Um, are you going to be spending half of your June uh, in the Midwest again? Yeah, you know, <laughs> uh, I think they're, it's, I think it's possible, sure. Um, they're going to need some breaks. Yeah. Um, I think the matchups are going to have to be right. Their pitching is going to be have, have to be on. They're going to have to play well defensively. Um, but, but if all those things happen, sure. I mean, they as you said earlier, um, not a, you know, the best hitting team in baseball, but they got some pretty good bats, and they string together hits. They can beat beat people, you know. And uh, Adley Rutschman is a force, you know, in and of himself. Uh, uh, they have to have the people hit around him though, because I mean, how many times did Oregon walk him? intentionally walked. Oh my gosh. Well, they intentionally walked him three times in one game, but it was really four because they threw him four balls that weren't even close to the zone. So Oregon wanted no part of Adley except for the Sunday game, which, hey, credit to uh, credit to Ryan Nelson for going after him. Yeah, and but it, uh, I guess my point was uh, they have to have people yeah. uh, hit around him. I think that makes him that much more effective a hitter and, and uh, helps Oregon State's chances of winning baseball games, particularly when you yeah. get to that level at the, uh, the postseason where, you know, it's yeah. win or go home. 
Now, matchups, that was you, – you basically stole my word because for me it really does all come down to the matchup. If we're just going to kind of project looking forward with rationally what the Beavers are going to do down the stretch, I don't think they're going to ultimately have enough to secure one of those top eight seeds, which guarantees home field advantage in the Super Regionals. You know, if you, Probably the Beavers will be somewhere between like the 10th and 14th seed, which, hey, that's great. You can host a home regional. And as you saw last year, I mean, it's probably going to be pretty tough for someone to come into Goss Stadium and win a regional – but, you know, and it's not like Oregon State can't go on the road and win and beat a quality team. We've seen that. They went down when Arizona State was highly ranked and won. We're about to see this weekend what they can do at Stanford. Oregon State competed extremely well at UCLA. It came down to the final at-bat of the game. So I, it's not like the Beavers can't go on the road and compete. But they run into a team that, that, that can hit but also has, you know, a lot of, you know, power arms from both sides of the plate. I'm not sure how many runs the Beavers are going to score, and it, it might be difficult for them to go and, and actually win a road Super Regional. But I would never say they couldn't do it, and I guess it is possible they could be at home for the Super Regionals. But, you know, it, it's kind of a, kind of a cop-out to say it just comes down to matchups, but in reality, I, I think it does. Well, it, isn't baseball the ultimate matchup sport? you <laughs> yes. got the pitcher and the hitter, and it's the, that's where the game all starts. I mean, no. Um, yeah. You know, is the guy throwing strikes? Can he is he making you swing at pitches that aren't really strikes? You know, it's uh, does it does the hitter win the matchup? Does the yeah. does the pitcher win the matchup? It's uh, well that that to me, the whole sport starts with with pitcher hitter matchup. Plus, Oregon State has Adley Rutschman, right? So yeah. it's probably Adley Clutchman, as they say. Yeah, Adley Clutchman. Ken, uh, I guess that'll do it. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. You got anything to? To plug this week, I guess I bet I'm sure most of my listeners read your read your daily column on college baseball. Well, it's just a, another chance to say thank you because uh, back in uh, Omaha, we worked for competing newspapers, and I parachuted in not knowing who the players were, and uh, Bob was very kind and gracious uh, at uh, saying, "Well, you know, that's who that is, and this guy's a good interview." And um, <laughs> he didn't have to do that, and some guys wouldn't have. So thanks, Bob, for for. Uh, lending a helping hand to a fellow scribe yeah but do you know maybe i was actually trying to sabotage you but i was just doing a horrible job maybe <laughs> I, I thought i was giving you maybe i thought i was giving you terrible interviews but they just connected so well with your personality so it might, might have worked out that way you never know or maybe you were so subtle that you really were giving me a bump steering <laughs> i was too dim witted to realize it no, no. Hey, there were so few. The, the, the main thing, like, there were just so few of us from Oregon out there. I mean, we had to stick together. Yeah. Plus, in the you know, back of my mind, I'm thinking, boy, you know, we've got to be here for two weeks, maybe. I can't, I got to, Ken and I, you know, we got to be kind of nice to each other and get friendly, or things are going to get pretty lonely out here. And we had a good steak dinner, too. Yeah, we definitely did. We can, maybe we'll do that again this year. You never know, right? Maybe so. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it for this week's edition of the Beaver Buzz Podcast, part of the ThatCast Podcast Network. Once again, everyone, please subscribe, rate, and review. I will be back next week with a recap of the Stanford series and a preview of the Beavers final regular season series against USC. Thanks so much for listening and have a terrific week, everybody. Discover the growing lineup of ThatCast Network podcasts and videocasts at ThatCast.com.